Well, Cookie, they say disasters always happen in threes. It's the final episode of Star Trek Picard Season 3. It's the final episode of Star Trek Picard in general. And it is our final episode together. Absolutely. Unfortunately. Uh, I am Brandon C. McClure, as you all know, and with me for the final time on this trek. Well, maybe not final, but certainly final, final for now. Yes, battle for now. <clears throat> like like the Star Trek like the Star Trek the Next Generation characters, we may see each other again down the 20 line. Years down the line. <laughs> 20 years down the line. <laughs> um I am Brandon C. McClure of the Figner Podcast with me, as always, Cookie from Just a Little Podcast. How are you, sir? I am doing fantastic. How are you, man? I'm okay. I'm very emotional. It's a big episode. It's it is. It's episode. definitely it was a very big episode for both Star Trek and for us. So yeah, yeah. Um, but before we get into the episode, um, now oftentimes we like to do some news, uh, but some Star Trek news. Um, so in order to extend our time together, we've decided to uh, go away real quickly, watch the new trailer for Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and then give you our immediate reactions after. So we're going to do that now. That was okay. cool. Okay, so we've seen the trailer now. Yes, we have. Uh, that looks incredible. It looks fantastic. I loved every minute of it. <clears throat> so yeah, I, I, I. What do you think? What do you think that last bit is? Is time travel? Do you think they go it to the past? Like that, but then it it kind of gave me like a little question of has has some of the crew gone through time and space, and has James or uh, yeah James Kirk not gone through space yet? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Um, so, so it's so it's Kirk and Laon at the very end of the trailer. Kirk and Laon, great to see Laon back. Uh, yes. I know there was uh, some talk of whether or not she'd be on the show uh, when when Strange New Worlds is ending. We all knew she was coming back, but um, it, but they're in uh, like a department store, just like a normal department store. So yeah. I wonder what I wonder what that means. Same here, same here, and it it looked really it looked really good. Like there's there's just chemistry that this entire bridge crew has yeah. that I, I don't, I haven't gotten since, since next generation, really like it, <laughs> it, they have this chemistry that it's, it's family. It honestly, I know we, we talk about a lot when it comes to Star Trek as a whole, but you get this sense of family with this group of people and it's, it's wonderful. It, it really is wonderful. I think one of the things that strange new worlds has really nailed is what, I think you and I agree with what we've gravitated towards Star Trek all these years is the sense of family that the bridge crew um, can be. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's what it's what we I think more than anything struggle with when it comes to Discovery. Mm -hmm. um, the Strange New Worlds has really created a, a cast of characters that you can consider family, and I yeah. think that's 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 incredible and ex exemplified in this in this season, <clears throat> in this upcoming season. Um, but some, but it just visually looks awesome that shot of the ship with the phasers yes i when i saw oh that my I god like, oh that's cool that is cool that's awesome and i love we're getting more we're getting more ortegas i'm so yes. excited to see her again um and Did you klingons this part? yes the that klingons was... they look like klingons yes and they were drinking they were oh that was so cool like i was like yes 
We got some good looking Klingons back. All right. I'm so glad they I'm so glad that everyone has just abandoned the discovery designs from season yes. one and two. Just like, you know what? We're sorry about those. Right. That was so good. Um, I, I don't know who was the one who actually said it, but there was somebody who said like they didn't know where they belonged. Hmm. La'an, maybe? Okay. Cause like I heard that, and I was trying to figure out which voice it was actually, if it actually matched with the scene that was going on, if it was someone else's voice over. Um, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was very interesting because the first season, we kind of get that with um, with some of the bitch crew trying to figure out where they belong and not understanding who they are as a person, if they belong in Star Trek or Starfleet as a whole, if they belong Uhura. with them or not. Or yes. Yeah. So she had no um, idea she belonged. And it's like at the end of season one, spoilers, she fits in. I really like the Uhura has gotten her promotion she's graduated the academy she's no longer mm-hmm. a cadet she's an she's a, a an ensign um so we're gonna get her on the bridge uh, more frequently it looks like yeah. i'm happy to see that i'm really glad i knew this was coming with like when they announced who was playing the chief engineer in mm-hmm. season two i'm really glad we didn't just go to scotty mm-hmm. um i think what's wonderful about strange new worlds is Look, it's great seeing Spock and Uhura on the show. I love it. And Umbanga, who's a legacy character, technically. Um, and I think they've done incredible work with Nurse Chapel. But what excites me about Strange New Worlds are the new characters. Yes. La'an and Ortega's. Um, you know, I understand, I get that we've gotten two episodes with Pike mm-hmm. uh, prior to Strange New Worlds and Discovery. But like to me, Pike is a new character, right? Because we didn't really have yeah. a lot of that character to go off of. So it's really, yeah. it's, it's really Anson Mount's character to play with. And I'm, Correct. that's kind of, so I'm, I'm glad we're not seeing more legacy characters propagate this show. I agree. I definitely agree. Um, yeah. Cause like with TOS seeing Pike in that, it, it just kind of gave more of an ending spoilers again, an ending to his life rather yeah. than like a beginning or a middle or where we are right now, where we have Anson and how well he portrays this character. Yeah, and I love him as his character so much. Yeah, he's he's, he's, in, he's incredible. I I'm I'm ready, and this bums me out. Like I, I was happy to watch this with you, mm-hmm. but then I'm like, wait a second, I won't be able to review this with him. So like I, I the only thing I could think of is I'm gonna send you like voice messages, <laughs> and then you're just gonna plug them into the channel. So like I'm I'm still there. Like you can put up a picture of me and just voice over. Look, you're always welcome. You have an open invite to be on the show, but you've got a good reason to not be here in June. Yes. You have a child coming, Cookie. Yes, I do. I am. And I'm thrilled. Like, this room is like baby's room now. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Well, why don't we why don't we why don't we segue into uh, Star Trek Picard season three, episode 10, The Last Generation, written so, and directed, written and directed by Terry Metalis. Yes. So, Cookie, final episode of Star Trek Picard, final episode of Star Trek Picard Season 3, what did you think? These Just folks, slow clap. These, these folks took, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> took Season 1, Season 2. Like, Season 1 was like a child, I saw a whole bunch of memes on the internet and I love them all. It was like a child took a crayon and started to draw the Enterprise. And then they they have like a teenager who has a little bit of skill draw the Enterprise. And then they have what they have in season three. And it's like this masterpiece of the Enterprise drawn. And it's like that's how the levels have kind of progressed with Star Trek. And 
this this episode had me crying, had me yeah. genuinely crying and sobbing my eyes out. Oh, what a what a like emotional roller coaster this was to see characters that I, I I legit grew up on. I was born in the 80s, product of the 90s, and I grew up watching these characters and seeing them kind of like do their final show, their final like goodbye was was beautiful. Really good send off. I mostly agree. Um, okay. I've got, look, nothing's perfect. Yeah. Um, and I acknowledge that. And I have really very little to say critically about this episode. And more, more, mo- mostly you'll hear praise from me. Um, I think one of the most incredible things is I've mentioned on the show, you've mentioned on the show, Deep Space Nine. We have a shared love of Deep Space Nine. Yes, we do. Very much. It's my, it's my favorite Star Trek show. <clears throat> I believe it's yours as well. It, it it depends on the day, um, but yes, more so because I connect with Deep Space Nine more than I do with Next yeah. Generation. And I just think it's an incredibly written show. Um, yeah, very much. <laughs> and so, so because so, but but Star Trek: The Next Generation was my first Star Trek. Um, so these characters are incredibly important to me, and I and my my favorite Star Trek character of all time comes from the next generation with Riker. Um, Mm -hmm. I love Riker. I love Jonathan Frakes as Riker. I'm so excited that we got to see more of him, a lot more of him, which is incredible. Um, And so we're seeing, so, so getting a chance to see these characters again, even before the season started, I was already in tears because I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to see my family again. My family is coming back. And to I believe that while some episodes didn't land as well as others, certain moments don't land as as well as they could have more than anything, this delivered a proper and definitive end. Yes. To these characters. Very much. Um, And it's, and and it's nice that this is the note we leave them on and not Star Trek nemesis. Correct. Um, so that said, let's kind of get into the meat of the episode. Yeah, let's do it. We we open with uh, the um, with the the pan in uh, from from the opening of season three, the next generation credit yeah. uh, opening credits, which I thought was a beautiful touch. Um, and a voiceover, a familiar voiceover. Did you catch it? I no. It's it's a uh, checkoff. Is it really? It's Walter Koenig. That's cool. Yeah, that he's so cool. He is playing the voice of Pavel Chekhov's son, Anton Chekhov, which is named after Anton Yelchin. Yes, who played Chekhov. In the that's crazy. That is, that's so cool. That is so freaking cool. It's an incredible reference. I'm. I mean, just, just such a such an incredible reference. Like I can't. I cannot praise it enough. The idea that. Chekhov did have a child um, and, and it's Chekhov's kid. He was the president of the Federation and named after Anton Yelchin who passed away tragically. Yes. Like it, it's layers. It's the kind of beautiful layered reference that I adore. See, and that's something that I, I would not get anywhere else. Like that's why I love doing the show with you because that stuff would have flown by me. But I, I have this this love for Star Trek 
that when you go and break it down, you're like, did you catch this cookie? And I'm like, no. And you break it down. I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh, and then the lines just like really become like perfect. And it's like these writers really like took their time and made poignant references crucial, but at the same time, so subtle that if you're not really paying attention and if you're not a Star Trek fan, it, it blows by you. But if you are, it's like this little sparkle in your eye and this little shiver down your spine that you get from hearing this stuff. And it's really great. Yeah. I, 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 um, it, it to me, it's the most meaningful reference in the, sh- in this, in the season. Was, um, yeah. Cause the, 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 the layers to it are just so thoughtful and beautiful and, um, clearly done out of a love of not just the legacy of star Trek, but out of a, 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 a cast member who passed away so tragically and it's still missed. Anton Yelchin is still missed to this. I, when I mean, I loved his character in the movies and to like, once you said his name, the first thing that I can think of is him trying to say Victor. Victor, Victor. <laughs> I love it. Like every single time I hear that, like his name or I see a picture of him, that's the immediate reference that I get is him trying to say that. And it just, it makes me smile like, oh, such a great character, such a great actor and a great character. Yeah. Uh, so, so I really love the idea that he played, um, that, that they got a vocal cameo from Walter Koenig, um, which was just wonderful. Um, the, also the, um, the Star Trek, universe logo that plays at the opening of was different it was the enterprise d flyby yeah. instead of the titan a which i thought was cute nice little nice little reference the other thing is that i just want to bring up up top is instead of that weird uh uh light show that is uh warp speed we just got classic warp speed just but, classic yes. warp that lines that i saw and i was like that's cool that was cool yeah i was happy to see it um, there's a lot of really great, there's a lot of really great stuff in this episode for me. Beam phasers, baby, so many beam phasers. <laughs> I miss beam phasers. This episode was packed full of them. Yeah, it really was like too many. <laughs> um, but, uh, basically what's happening is, um, the entire fleet is destroying soul station. Um, what we know as Starbase one, mm-hmm. um, if that falls, then Earth falls because it's kind of the last line of defense for Earth, Correct. and uh, and the Enterprise needs to figure out. Okay, well, there's a Borg. Simp- there's the Borg are sending a signal from somewhere. Where is mm-hmm. it? Turns out it's in Jupiter. Yep, where we see right the, down the street, where we see the largest Borg cube ever created. Yes, that thing was massive. Did you notice it's made up of, of little cubes? Yes, I saw that. I really yeah. did see that. I was like, that's pretty cool. Nice attention to it deep. shows like how vastly huge that is compared to other ones that we've seen in the past. Yeah, and it kind of works towards the it kind of works towards what we see of the queen in this episode, which is that uh, she's cannibalizing her collective to keep herself alive, and so she has kind of cocooned in this in, a, in corpses of not just Borg but Borg cubes to yeah. kind of keep her keep what was left of her collective together forever. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was nice. It also kind of creates this idea of like this, um, this impen- it kind of recreates the idea of this impending doom, this kind of eldritch horror that the Borg used to represent <laughs> because a Borg cube is large and looming and any on a, on a good day. But after a while, 
after seeing them for so long on Voyager, it just it wasn't it didn't really have the, the same, same effect. Yeah, the same effect anymore. So you make it such a, at, at a at a scale that we've never seen before, and pair it with the Enterprise D, which is the tiniest thing in the world, apparently. Right. And you're just like, oh shit. Like, what uh, do we just get ourselves into? Yeah, and I, I, I mean, it's a bunch of 70, 80, 80, 90 year olds being like, let's fight the Borg. <laughs> <laughs> Again, make sure you take your liver pill. Um, Jesus. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun little callbacks. Like, I mean, you got the, you got them on the bridge of the Enterprise D. Riker does, Riker puts the knee up. Love the, love the Riker knee. So good. So good. Um, he doesn't, I think he's too old to do the Riker maneuver, but that's fine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that that will still work. It still worked. Can't can't put his leg over a chair anymore. Um, let's see. Let's go. Let's go to my notes. Um, the Enterprise D model. Th- did you notice how detailed it was? Mm-hmm. Great, a little attention to, to, to detail when it's flying by. You can see the observation lounge yes, in the windows. I was, yes, I, I, when I saw that, I literally hit rewind. I was like, "Wait a second, they did not." I mean that's just so cool, and when it's like zooming, when we're like going in, you can also see ten forward, but also the 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 scorch marks from when it crashed on Viridian three, um, the you know Jordy Jordy, sorry, Jordy uh, hasn't buffered them out yet. It's still a work in progress. It's twenty years of him working, and he's still and he didn't get to a new paint job yet. Not yet. Um, I guess it wasn't high on his priority. <laughs> um, yeah, I really, I really like the the way they designed the Enterprise D because it's you know the only the only surviving thing of the Enterprise D was the saucer section. So making the saucer section look like it was just picked up from from Viridian Three, but a little bit polished, but you know it's still got scorch marks around it. And the the uh, secondary hull has USS Syracuse written on it. Yes, instead of USS Enterprise, I was just like, mm. you know, that's. That's attention to detail you don't need to do, but it's it's but when you do it, it's like I see you. Yeah, see it's you. a it's that little it's that little bit. It's it's like um I always talk about in animation how there's there's little bits of animation that you don't really need to do that kind of like add to things like um in a way. So the old Lord of the Rings animated movie has a moment like the old one from the like the eighties, I think. Okay has a moment where Gandalf is like, Hey, I'm going to go off, talk to Saruman and we're going to figure this out. And, and the hobbits just kind of nod and Gandalf turns and then turns back and just scares Samwise for no reason, just like scares him (laughs) and then walks away. You don't need to do that. That is, that is animation that is not needed in that moment. Yeah. But, but that kind of additional animation, like a shrug or a, or a, a thing like that creates a more believable atmosphere, and kind of the same thing happens here with this with this visual effects. Mm-hmm. That if you add these kind of little nut, these kind of little nods, like we can see in the window, we see that the the hulls are different colors; they don't quite match yet. The, the U.S. Syracuse, it it creates this this kind of um, this kind of believable world that we're looking into. Yeah, because it's not perfect. It's like it has its blemishes still. Yeah, so it's just off perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really so I, I, I thought that was really cool. Um, the queen. Why don't we talk about the queen for a bit? She scared 
the living bejesus out of me, man. Incredible, right? So scary. <clears throat> yeah, I really like the new queen, the, the new queen design. Interestingly enough, she has more flesh in this episode than she ever did previously. <laughs> That's Cause hilarious. Because be, before she, she was, just, yeah, she was just kind of, you know, just kind of up here, just kind of like upper torso and head. But now yeah. she's got arms and ribs and things and just that was funny. Um, how did you feel about Jack in this moment with the queen and like how easily he was convinced? So I was thinking about this and again, like I want to say, look, no show is perfect. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this a little bit on my third rewatch. Cause I do a, you know, I do a, I, I do a look okay, let's, let's let the moment wash over me watch. And then I, I got to show my partner watch and now, and then I do a notes for this watch. Gotcha. Um, so on my third watch, I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know what? Vatic should, should have made it to the last two episodes. Yeah. And she should have brought Jack to the queen. That would have been, that would have been good. Because that would kind of create this kind of, um, I do like the idea that Jack is kind of, um, you know, kind of euphorically drawn to the Borg. Um, you could still have that moment, but have it be like Vatic trying to convince him and then delivering him to the queen and then Vatic being a present villain in this episode. Yeah. I think kind of would have worked really well um rather than someone rather i think the queen just mentions vatic once just to kind of get the audience to be like oh right the first eight episodes of the show had changelings <laughs> right um and 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 then so like i was just thinking about that like i think that kind of would have worked a little bit better because it, it it does kind of stretch a little bit of believability that it's like okay jack just threw a hissy fit and ran and decided to join the borg yeah like that's it yeah like I, I'm, I'm. I think that I know that the intention is that he was going to kill the queen, but I don't know. You one dude. You're just gonna. You're gonna go kill the boar queen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it. They do talk about it how it was so easy to board the ship, and it was aboard the the actual cube and the collective itself, and it was because it was an open invitation. Like she wanted them to actually come. Yeah, I think that I I do like the idea that the queen is telling was telling basically Picard like baiting Picard like yeah, come, let me show you what I have done to your son. Yeah, um, I have I have he he is mine now. He even says like I've given him a mother's love, and that like makes him like he's like no, you're not his his mother, and he's like shoots at her. That that was a good moment. Um, and I I, I think that like you and then the way that we see all the um all the like decrepit borg skeletons yes because even like eaten like yeah cannibalized. like not just their what i think is really important is it's not just their synthetic it's not just their cybernetics that have been cannibalized it's their flesh yes uh that's being cannibalized to keep the queen stable um and i think that creates some really awesome i kind of wish we saw a zombie skeleton borg <laughs> It was it was very like it was very creepy, very sadistic of that that like set and how yeah. well they designed everything was like wow. Yeah, I think I, it it creates brought me a, back to Voyager a lot. Yeah, I think it creates a really fun 
way to experience the Borg. You know, like every, everyone, everyone since Star Trek First Contact was trying to be like, okay, well, how do we make the Borg scary again? Mm-hmm. And I think they did it, honestly. They did. Um, I think Terry Metallis and company and everyone involved in the show were able to make the, were able to bring the Borg back to this kind of unknowable horror um, that they were in, in the beginning. This idea that with, with all these corpses around them and all, and like the, the lighting is a lot darker in the cube because the lights aren't working or whatever. Um, I, I really, I really, I really think they nailed the, the aesthetic of the Borg because it's also not like, it's a Borg collective that hasn't assimilated anybody since the late 2370s. Yeah, it's been decades. And and so like this is a Borg collective that has stagnant, that has just been surviving, not thriving. They've been surviving off of themselves, themselves. Um, in, in order to get to this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, I really like that, actually. I really like how they designed the Borg. I really like that, that, connection to voyager um because if and you you you've seen voyager right yeah. once once just once <laughs> yeah um well at the end of voyager for those of you who don't know and i'm sure if you're watching this show you do um the final episode of voyager the board queen played by alice creek um assimilates a future version of janeway mm-hmm. that has a virus inside of her uh that would wipe out the borg and it did yeah this is what we've seen this is this is this is why we're here yeah this is why we're here because of what janeway did like this is this is the borg that janeway incapacitated the janeway almost destroyed janeway almost caused the entire borg collective to go extinct and it was just through pure hatred and spite that the queen didn't die yeah uh i just i you can mine so much from that and i just think that was really cool it was <clears throat> only thing I wish we didn't have to see the Borg in the first two seasons so that this was more impactful. Yes. Because by the time you got here, I was kind of done with the Borg. I agree. But this solidifies the complete death of the Borg. Yeah. We can hopefully finally say goodbye to the Borg forever. It. Yes. <clears throat> no more Borg. We're done with the Borg. Besides comics. Yeah, besides the comics. But, you know, like, what could you do with the Borg at this point? Like, I don't. Yeah, I don't really think you can do anything else. Um, The only reason why the Queen exists is because they thought because they asked the same question in the in the 90s. What can you do with the Borg at this point? Okay, well, let's make a queen to kind of give a centralized antagonist figure to this. But and, and, you know, your mileage may vary on that decision. I personally like it. I I just think at this point we. We have expended every avenue that the Borg can go down. I would like to see a Borg-like species come up. You know, like someone stumbles on a cube and adapts the technology to to create something new. Um, kind of that, you know, playing with that legacy idea. You know, what would the legacy of the Borg be now that they're gone? Mm-hmm. Um, there was an idea somewhere. I think it might have been a book. Uh, that the Borg are inevitable. That no matter what, a they'll survive. <laughs> well, not necessarily that they'll survive, but Borg will will appear. Okay. Um, like a species will 
somewhere, somewhere in the galaxy, should there be no Borg, someone in the galaxy, some species in the galaxy will decide, hey, you know what would be kind of cool idea? What if we merge our cybernetic components with our with our flesh and create a hive mind? And now you've now the Borg are rebuilt. Borg back, yeah. <clears throat> so it's never so it's not the same Borg that you would meet. It would be a different Borg. I'm kind of into that idea. Like if you want to go forward, like, oh my goodness. What would the 32nd century Borg look like? <laughs> like, like, what if Discovery? What if Discovery encountered a Borg-like species? But like, you know, Discovery in this in this scenario is imaginative imaginative enough to do something different. Yeah. Um, which, which they have on every level. Sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, like an idea. Like, there's an idea. Like, you know, what would maybe sometime in the future? Now that the Federation is rising again a new board collective is beginning to rise. Mm-hmm. You know, what would that look like? I'd be kind of interested to see that. For sure. It, maybe not on discovery. I was going to say, I maybe <laughs> give, give a few years until we bring the Borg back. Cause we've, we've had our fair share. Yes. Um, <clears throat> anyway. Um, yeah. I, but I really like what they do with the queen. I'm glad it's Alice Krieg back uh, to do the voice. She only, she's only a vocal performance here. Sitting on a physical performance. That's a lot of makeup to put on someone. Yeah. Um, well, great job, by the way, to the actress. I don't know the actress's name who plays the body double for the Borg Queen, but she's 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 so good. Just all she has to move is her head and her arms, and she is <laughs> nailing it. She's right on money. Um, I really, I I really like what they do with the Queen. But over on the Enterprise, um, we have a couple of last goodbyes, it feels like, before they all leave yeah um you know Riker and Deanna have a moment where I'm like that's definitely a that's a look that you give you that you give your spouse when you're not coming back yes it was that was a like it was a hit man I was like you if you if you fucking kill Riker you'd be so pissed (laughs) right now um uh Jonathan Frakes by the way cannot get enough praise from me I think he's incredible in this season um I think that he really delivers and had in kind of rocky in the beginning, but he really settled back into William Riker. I'd really like to see him show up again as Riker. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I know, but it was nice to see him here. And now it's just nice that he was acting again. He hasn't acted in years and to see him kind of come back to this role and just nail it. I hope if I don't see him as Riker again, I want to see him, get more acting jobs for sure. Um, Cause it's time dude, get, yeah. get, get out from behind the camera. I know you love directing. It's time to, it's time to, to, to be in front of the camera again. I agree. Definitely agree. Um, and then Picard has a, um, you know, after Worf says, I'll make it a threesome, which, I, which is beautiful, beautiful lines, so funny. man. Um, the Riker, uh, Riker, Worf, and Picard leave, and Picard has his death moment where he's like, "I'm not coming back anyway." It's nice serving with you guys. <laughs> Data has, I, I love Data's growth now mm-hmm. as he becomes more and more human, and he's learning what it is to be human, and these emotions that he's feeling because he felt like, "Guys, put me in, Coach. I'm, I'm ready." And it's like, "No, yeah. you're not ready yet. Like, I need well, you here." Well, I mean, rightfully so, because he was he was needed on the Enterprise, and yes. and we'll get to why. Um, but he he would never he like I I do really like the idea. Like it's logical to let me go. Like he's he's kind of playing like I have experience with the Borg. Let me go because he doesn't want to 
he doesn't want to lose his friends. He wants to put himself in that danger. He's feeling uh, kind of anxiety about this moment and disappointed when finally they're like, no, we need you here. Yeah. Um, We need you to, excuse me. We, we need you on the ship with Jordy and crusher. So we'll go off and Deanna, sorry, Deanna does stuff in this episode too. (laughs) She, She looks at a screen for sure. She helps out a little bit. She does more than um, Beverly does. No, I think Beverly does more because Beverly fires the weapons. Yeah, yeah, you you got a point. You're right. Yeah, she's a tactical. Um, I think the people they they left on the bridge and the people who went to the Bora Cube were, were smart. The these characters, the it was the right it was the right pairings, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, to to split up. And I really like what we're seeing on the Enterprise, how they're trying to be like, okay, well, what are we going to do? How are we going to stop this? Um, you know, and they have that kind of like really awesome flyby when they're when they're trying to avoid the weapons. And yeah, um, by the way, bubble shields. <laughs> they're get back, my, baby. They're get back. my bubble shields back, baby. <laughs> um, oh, this is actually a good point to talk about this. So I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And I, don't, I don't know if you remember. By the way, I called something. I called something really early, and I'm so excited to rub your face on it. Um, <laughs> so I was talking. So I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you remember the this season feels like the natural progression of the next generation um, timeline. Like if you were, like you know, Star Trek. Like if you were to take the same idea of like, okay, well, the original series and Star Trek: The Next Generation. If you were supposed to, if you're going to take that same gap. And apply it to Star Trek, say Voyager, to Star Trek Picard season three. And let's say there was no Star Trek between that po- these two points, um, in that horrible, horrible alternate hi- timeline. Um, there was no Star Trek between those two points. This feels like a natural progression of what that technology would evolve to be like. Yeah. Um, and even like with callbacks to previous technologies with like beam phases and bubble shields, like there's clearly been advancements, but they're not treated as this is just an aesthetic thing. It's an advancements thing. Yes. And I, I, I like that a lot. I'm really happy with how they did that. Um, you know, it kind of like, I love strange new worlds, but strange new worlds and the, the original series, you kind of have to do some mental gymnastics to explain away the fact that it's the same enterprise. Yeah. <clears throat> because, you know, Kirk's quarters are maybe a quarter of the size of Pike's on the same ship. Um, exact same. Yeah. Um, and, and so like you have to kind of like you just have to accept, oh, it's just, you know, it's, it's just the times. It's just how it was made. But you look at something like Star Wars. And I actually talked about this on an episode of a podcast called The Narrative Labyrinth, which um, isn't out yet, but I will link it when it is out. So stay tuned to social media to find that. It's a good episode. Um, where like if you look at Star Trek, Star Trek, the sequel trilogy and the Mandalorian and anything set within Star any Wars. of the Star Wars. Did I say Star Wars? Did I say Star Trek? You said Star Trek. Well, you know, can you blame me? No, 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 not at all. <clears throat> um, so Star Star Wars, when you look at everything set with it, like before A New Hope, after A New Hope, uh, after Return of the Jedi, like all the sequel trilogy, it's all slavishly... It's all slave to the design aesthetic set down in the 70s and early 80s. Okay. You know, they don't try to, they don't really try to move it on mm-hmm. into a more modern aesthetic. They try to keep it into that kind of retro future design. 
Whereas Star Trek, I think, might have done that. I think Star Trek might have been might have been a slave to those kind of designs of the 80s and 90s had the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films not existed. I think those films gave Star Trek the... Like leeway. Yeah, I think the permission yeah. to, to update the technology, even if you're doing a prequel, where mm-hmm. I don't think that existed because if you look at like Star Trek Enterprise, Star Trek Enterprise jumps through hoops to make it uh, to make it low tech compared yeah. to the original series. Correct. Um, and I, and, and, but Star Trek discovery doesn't Star Trek discovery is just like, you know what? It was just made in a different time. So just accept that this shit, it, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. So, but I don't think that, I don't think that, I don't think that um, mentality would have existed had the Kelvin films existed. Mm-hmm. So for me, what Star Trek Picard season three feels like is more so is, is less so like, you know, um, a design mandate, a design aesthetic that comes from the Kurtzman era, that comes from the Abrams films. And more like, what if there was nothing in between? What if we had no preconceived conceptions of what these ships should look like created yeah. in the 21st century? <clears throat> I like that. I like that idea. It's a lot. <clears throat> yeah, I just thought it was kind of a cool thought. It's almost like they had like a blank slate to really show off their passion for what they feel Star Trek at this time looks like and is represented. Yeah, I think so. Um, and I, I, because of that, I think that really, I think it really sings. Like, I think it, you really feel that this is a, this is what the show would have looked like had it continued. Yeah. Um, had we not done any prequels, had we not done a reboot in, in 2009, this is what it would have looked like. And it looks beautiful. Uh, it looks so good. The season, this season looks so good. The CGI is incredible in this season. Um, all right. So I'm going to go back to my notes here real quickly. Um, so the Borg Queen's plan is not just to assimilate Jack, but, and it's not to assimilate everybody either. Mm-hmm. What she wants are the young to be part, be organically connected to her rather than cybernetically or get connected Correct. to her because that way they can have children. They can mm-hmm. propagate, they can go out into the galaxy and there would be only Borg without the cybernetic components. Yeah. I really like that plan of hers. I think that's a really interesting way to take the Borg especially considering her cybernetic um, assimilation plan failed drastically. Yes. So you want to try something new. And I think this idea of like, you know what? We don't need the cybernetic anymore. We're not going to assimilate anymore. We're going to evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, like she learned a lesson because the idea of like, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of what that it's kind of what, Picard and Janeway had had been trying to tell her all along. It's like you because um, she says, I believe first contact was like we evolved through assimilation and data says that's not evolution. You're you're just taking things from people and adding it to yourself. That's you're not evolving. Um, And she and she doesn't pay no mind. But that stagnation almost killed her. So now she is taking what the Federation has taught her and turning it on themselves. Yes. 
Very much so. <clears throat> and it it's so genius when you think of like how how well she orchestrated well, she had a lot of time to think, but yeah, how well she orchestrated this out. And the fact that like she once she gets Jack, which is the the sole missing piece, once she has him, it's game over. She can pretty much do whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. But then we we get the fact that Picard is very much I want to be present in my son's life and I would sacrifice my life any day of the week just to give him some glimpse of freedom. Yeah. I really like the idea that Picard, I I do want to talk about Riker and Worf a little bit more later, but uh, I do, I do really like that Picard, you know, he has this moment where, where he has this kind of confrontation with the queen where he's trying to convince the queen to let her go, to let Jack go. And the queen says like, I can't, he's here voluntarily at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. And I really like the idea of Picard kind of thinking about that. I was like, you know what? I've been running from the collective for half of my life. I'm done. Yes. I'm going in for my son. And so he connects to the collective, not to save the world, to save the galaxy. Save his son. To save his son. Yes. I, I really like that kind of moment that he has of like, I would, I will do the thing that I'm most afraid of. Mm-hmm. To save to save you, he even says even says when they're in that kind of a, when they're in that kind of world, like like if you're not going to come out with me, I'll I'll stay, I'll just stay. Yeah. Oh, when I saw that man, it it hit home for me so much. I was just at that point in time, seeing Picard do the one thing he's deathly afraid of doing is ever getting connected back to the Borg, and him voluntarily taking that thing and just shoving it into his neck. And I was like, I was laying down in bed and I'm watching and I'm like, he's not going <gasps> to, I just like yeah. get up. And I'm just like sitting on the edge of my bed, just watching this in amazement and so captivated by his, his words that he says to his son. And it wasn't that he was like trying to convince his son. He was just like, Hey, I know what you're going through. I'm here for you. If you don't want to leave this place, like if if you feel that this is the ultimate home for you and you have no life outside in the real world, I get it. I'll be here with you till the very end. However, you're going to miss out on so much that's outside of this reality that you think is living in here in the Borg. Yeah, I love Jack's kind of like, you know, it's it's perfect in here. Everyone is. I'm not alone. And and Picard is like, you know, I. I put up a similar barrier when when I was when I was a kid. I jo- I ran to Starfleet to to find a family that I didn't think I had, and I found it. But even but there was still something missing, and it was you. It was yeah. You know, he says in the beginning of the season, "I'm not a man who needs a legacy." Mm-hmm. You, you you go back to Star Trek Generations when he loses, his, <laughs> but no, when he loses his his nephew when he gets the news that his nephew and his brother are dead. Yeah. He's crying because he lost his family. He's got nothing left. And and in the, and in that moment he has to reckon with the fact that I'm the last Picard. Mm-hmm. I will always be the last Picard. But then meeting Jack changes that and brings him out of the shell that he didn't know he had put himself into. Um and I, I let me tell you I've never missed my dad more. Oh, trust me, you and me, you and me both, because we are we're in the same exact situation. Just you're a little bit after me, but man, when yeah. I saw that, like instantly, I just like I sat there and I paused it as he's just hugging his son. 
and that I hug help. killed me. Tears. I was. I was like, Dad, where are you, Dad? Oh, oh man, it was. It was an emotional train wreck, and it was so well delivered. So I, 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 I don't know if you noticed, but I wear a necklace now. Uh, yeah, I I have, you told me. Yeah, which I so, find so cool. So for for listeners and and video people watching on the video, this is um, what's called an urn pendant. So some of my dad's ashes are in this necklace. And I found myself, I, I decided a long time ago, because I don't wear a lot of jewelry and it feels uncomfortable on me. Um, I was like, oh, I'm only going to wear it when I miss him. And I found mm-hmm. myself wearing it a lot in the last couple of weeks. And, I re- and, and this episode kind of made me realize why. Because watching Jack talk to his dad when and Picard connect with the sun got me to the point where I was like, Oh, I'm not okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm, I'm very, I'm really not okay. <laughs> That's something. Uh, yeah. It's something that I've, I've, I've struggled with. And I think like without getting too personal and without like kind of getting sidetracked from Star Trek, but I think that the, maybe there's a listener out there or a watcher out there who is going through this stuff and has nobody to connect with. Like, Brandon and I are here, just so you guys know. But um, with that same like sediment, it's I watched it and I I went through like my dad's death very quickly. I had to kind of like mature, be an adult, handle situations very quickly. Didn't have time to process. Yeah. And I'm seeing this moment with Jack, and he comes to that realization where he did not. He was fighting that that urge to have a feeling and have a connection with his dad because he didn't want it. He's like, I've lived. 20 years of my life without my father, I don't need him now. I can be perfectly happy, perfectly safe in the Borg where people get me and understand me. And it's like, yeah, that's that's fine and dandy. But once he, once that light switch comes on and it's like, oh, crap, I really need my dad. And he gets that embrace from his dad. It's like the world just stops around him. And I was just, I was blown away by how powerful that message was. And the the flashbacks to the previous scenes that they had together, like yes, like I know it's I know it's a cheap emotional shot, but it worked on me. <laughs> you and me both, man. <laughs> you and me both. Especially that scene at the bar. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> that stupid it, bar. It was beautiful. It's just beautiful cinematography, beautiful writing, and yeah, I, I it it was very cliche in the sense, but. It worked. the The scene between Picard and Jack and the Collective is perfect. I have no notes there. It's incredible. Uh, every line of dialogue spoken by the two of them is wonderful. Mm-hmm. This when when Picard puts his hand on Jack's chest and then the, and they embrace, just like I might start crying. Um, <laughs> like, uh, it, like really, really, just wow. Yeah. Um, well, do you want to switch it up to uh, some Riker and Worf? Yeah, I, I got to talk about Riker for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Riker and Worf, they're they're going to find the schematics to where the um, the kind of the signal is coming from. Yeah, and uh, they are ambushed by two Borg um, who are weakened, but they're seventy year old men, so of course they're going to struggle with Borg. <laughs> um, like even a weak Borg is enough to just to, to kill a 70 year old man. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so uh, Worf gets shot and he's got this moment where he's like, do you take the sword? And Riker's like, holy shit. Why is this thing so heavy? 
that was what I saw. Like it, that was so cool, and just like it shows you how strong Worf yeah. really is. Also, the dude had a phaser in his the hilt. That is awesome. Yes, and I love for that. Pacifist, like, come on. I mean, he's not that, look, he's not that much of a pacifist. The first time we saw him, he cut someone's head off. Very true. Very true. It was. <laughs> it was. This was great, man. I loved. I loved that scene with them and the fact that they they went into this this Borg collective thinking, okay, this is the last time we're we're not getting out of this thing. Like we're going into a suicide mission, but we're gonna stop this. We're gonna do whatever it takes to make sure this does not happen. Yeah, and it shows you how much of like a warrior that um, they both are. They really have this blood mentality of yeah. being a warrior. I really like the um, the moment that they have when Picard and Riker and Worf decide to part ways. And, you know, Picard is, he's struggling to, to tell them, like, you know, how much it means to me that they've been on this journey with him and how much it means to me that they've reconnected and, and whatnot. And he has this, and Riker just goes, you know, I know. I've always yeah. known. And like, yeah. I really like Riker and Picard's friendship. I think it's really, really meaningful and wonderful. Um, and a surprising through line that has existed in Star Trek Picard because he was in the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Worf kind of ha- you know has this moment, you know, there's two phrases that a Klingon doesn't admit to knowing. Um, and one of those farewell, like, it's just like, that's, oh, you guys. <laughs> You're melting my heart. <laughs> right? It was it was beautiful moments, man. Very beautiful um, moments. And again, that's kind of what the thing is like, yes, no, is this season perfect? Absolutely not. But it but it's incredibly valuable to me because we have these moments with these characters and because they're not written out of character. I don't feel like they are anyway. It, yeah. it feels true to who they are. It feels like coming home while also experiencing where they are now in their lives and where I am now in my life, having them return to me was so meaningful and no matter what happens no matter and i always knew no matter how this season turns out it, look if this episode just shit the bed and it was just like the worst thing imaginable which it's not yeah i would i was like i would still have this ca- this cast back i would still have these characters back i'd still have all of these beautiful meaningful moments peppered throughout the season mm-hmm um and and that's anyway um <laughs> it is that's just why this is this season was just so meaningful to me I agree. On, in so many ways um so let's talk about oh i want to real quickly talk about one line one more line i just want to mention just his worst line where he goes uh great i thought for a minute there we just survived this thing <laughs> <laughs> i really like that um so before we talk about the enterprise a bit more let's talk about what's going on in the titan before we do the moment where Worf has gotten like shot up and he looks like he's on death's door at this moment and he's like give me my sword type of thing mm-hmm. it made me instantly i thought of okay he wants a klingon's death he wants to go out swinging and like you said i just found that so cool and he's like no I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dead yet. I'm not dying. Keep keep killing people. Um, I really like the idea because like later in the episode, you know, you know, he says, uh, uh, today is a good day to die with honor. I really love the idea that being killed by the Borg, not honorable dying for your friends, honorable. Honorable. Yes. Yes. Um, Very much. I I like that. Anyway, so let's talk about the Titan. 
Yes. So on the Titan, Seven, Raffi, and Dr. Oak, nice to see you again, um, have been uh, have decided they're going to take back the Titan. All the over 25s, we're going to take back the Titan. Mm-hmm. So they do um, by creating uh, the, the 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 a phaser that can that instead of killing you um, beams you into the transporter. Correct. Really cool idea. Like that a lot. Um, and I, I, but you know, going back to kind of the imperfectness of the season, ha- fleet formation is a line of sight thing. Yeah, yeah. You can. Uh, so if you can't see it, it's not there sort of thing. Right. I mean, you got to have some plot holes, right? That's true. Look, Star Trek is not is not perfect. In general, there are plenty of plot holes all yeah. throughout Star Trek. Um, and and it, this isn't even a plot hole. It's just weird, mm. I guess, where they're just like, like, it's not even like, oh, the cloaking device, um, the cloaking device uh, creates like a bubble around you that blocks a signal. It's just like, no, they can't see us, so they don't know we're here. <laughs> That's it. Like, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's... That was just weird. By the way, by the way, yeah. the Federation needs to look at this fleet formation thing and be like, you know what? Maybe this was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> that idea is an understatement. Maybe we maybe we don't do this. Ever um, again. If if they, we get Star Trek Legacy and we learn that fleet formation is still a thing, then I need to talk to some admirals. <laughs> let people know because we're 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 not doing this it's like the like i i can buy like the bad idea of fleet formation like i honestly like because roe said that there's so many changelings in high and high up positions mm-hmm. i could buy oh this was a changeling idea right that like some changeling in person and admiral said hey what you know what's a cool idea fleet formation hey you know what's a cool idea let's put the entire fleet over earth for you know an attack um so like i so i think that like that can all be explained away by like the these ideas are possibly done right they're not coming from the federation themselves but now that the federation has no changeling supposedly get rid of it yeah get rid of it doesn't need to be there yeah bad idea all sorts of bad idea I agree. I, in fact, I don't even think there's a good idea. I don't get it at all. <laughs> when Admiral Shelby was saying in the second and the last episode, if a ship's incapacitated, it can be in the fleet formation. Blah blah. I'm like, why? Why? The weakest link. Of, come on now, you should know. What's this. it? What's that ship gonna do? Just limp there? <laughs> just drag it along in the back. <laughs> You're end. just gonna drag a ship. You can do it with a tractor beam. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I don't get fleet formation at all, and I think that whoever. In universe, I don't blame the showrunners for making this, making the plot decision. But in universe, whoever came up with that needs to be flogged, <laughs> fired. Just like you know what, this was your idea. Get the hell out of here. You're out. Um. So they, so they, they remember like, oh well, they can't see us. Well, how can they can't see us? Oh right, we have a cloaking device. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh. And I, I think that the action in this episode is incredible. Yeah. Especially the ship to ship action, baby. The when the Titan uncloaks and starts shooting at all these ships, I was like, "Oh yeah!" It was beautiful, beautiful. It was like an orchestra just playing perfectly in sync. Yeah, nice, nice flying on the cook on the cook's part. 
Yeah. <laughs> Why does a ship like the Titan have a cook? Don't they have replicators? I was I stole the words <laughs> out my mouth. Like I, in my head, I'm like, you guys could have picked any single like job out there. A cook. So, I mean, look, Ten Forward had a bartender, right? Yeah. Quark's Quark's bar has D Space Nine had yeah 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 so like I kind of understand that they're of like a person behind the counter delivering stuff and making but like for a starship to have a cook is a little strange to me because so in in Enterprise they had a cook because they didn't have replicators correct back then yeah exactly um and so but like so like a ship that's as small as the titan i feel like should probably just rely on the replicators but you know what maybe maybe shaw was like i really just need a cook on board i need a chef on board to make me my blue steak i was gonna say well where where are they holding all of the the fruits vegetables the livestock where is this all being kept it's replicators Oh, so they just replicate the, the and then he prepares everything. Yeah, I think what's I think it's the best grift in the galaxy. The cook is just like, oh, you got it, you got it, Shaw. Do, 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 do. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that is it. Um, that's my that's my head cannon from now on. The the cook is just grifting Shaw the, the entire time. Buttons. Yeah. Oh, my compliments to the chef. Thank you. <laughs> Splashes some water in his face, like he actually worked. Yeah. Uh, anyway. So speaking of action, let's talk about the Enterprise, baby. Yeah, let's do it. So the Enterprise, so so they're like, okay, well this this thing is is in the center of the cube. We can't get in there. There's no pilot on in the galaxy who can navigate through this. A computer can't do it. Data decides I can do it. Well, before we get to that though, the reason why, like they they had this hesitation trying to figure out, okay, do we? Do we destroy the center of this and potentially we all die? Oh, that's after. Okay, okay. That's when they get there. Okay, Um, all right. So what I really so 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 data is like I can do this. I can do this. I trust my gut. I can do this. And and it's a really good moment I think between data and Jordy. Like yes, very beautiful. Yeah, where where Jordy is kind of is kind of like data. I said no, we're not gonna we're not gonna do. What do you mean your gut? Um, and then data goes trust me. Now, he's the most sophisticated computer in ever. the galaxy, like ever, ever, ever made. So, yes. like the fact that anybody doubted that he can do it is a little strange to me. I mean, I, you know, emotions are high. Maybe Jordy isn't sure what Data's potential is as as a, as a supercomputer. Yeah, because you know he is still he is in a human body technically, but he's still got a an advanced project positronic brain and i and I, and you know it's not just data it's lore and b4 and noonian sung and uh, not noonian sung um olten sung so, so there's too many sungs <laughs> <laughs> adam sung adam was the guy he played last season really that's right that's right he played okay. adam sung i forgot i forgot the name i've been trying to figure out the name <laughs> from last episode yeah anyway it doesn't matter um so so he's got like this whole he's got this plan so he's like okay i can do this so there's been some discourse online which i i do kind of i sometimes don't like bringing up online discourse but i wanted to get your opinion on this sure what do you think of the enterprise flying like this i thought it was so cool i Me too. i thought it was so cool like 
Data's just navigating his way through this thing, and it's just it was like Tokyo and the phasers in space. And the phasers are flying and the torpedoes Everything are going and they're perfect. Like I oh, love every minute of it. I know it just is it far-fetched? Yes. However, I could care less at this point in time. I'm just so immersed in this episode that it just it made me smile. So the discourse online is about how people and I think rightfully so, like Star Trek operates on a very kind of like naval battlefield situation where it's the where it's the large capital ships um, mm-hmm. moving slowly um, and very, and the bigger the ship, the slower it moves. And very rarely do you see ships fly like this unless they're small fighters. Um, but my counter to that is kind of, I don't think starships are supposed to fly like this. You know, if the enterprise D the enterprise D complement is like 1400 people, I think. Mm-hmm. So if there's a full crew complement and data was flying like this, there'd be no way that anybody would live through this. Right. Correct, because yeah. like people would be flying all over the place. The inertial dampeners are not, I think the, I think the in-universe explanation that, that you can come up with is that the inertial dampeners that make it so that space flight is, is smooth. Aren't built to compensate for this type of flying. Mm-hmm. And you see it on the bridge. Like you see them kind of like they're swaying a lot more than they would have normally. Yeah. Um, even more so than the Defiant did when, it, and it was a much more maneuverable ship. It was quick, but you're looking at, like you said, you're looking at a, a ship with five people, six people. Yeah. So everything else that does not need to be on doesn't have to be on. They can focus everything solely on that one concentrated area. Yeah, and so you have this. So like, I think that kind of creates the leeway to make it so that the Enterprise D could fly like this. No capital ship should ever do this ever again. Yeah. But in this situation, they were capable of it because they had the the most sophisticated supercomputer in the universe, mm-hmm. and no one on board. And if you also think about it, not to kind of switch up a little bit, like lower decks in the the last episode they had where. They're flying in hyperspace and they can, they're pushing it to the very, very max. Mm-hmm. And that's all it can do. But it was a short span of push it to the max. When you think of this particular moment, you have data pushing the ship to the max when it comes to agility, not yeah. necessarily speed, but just agility and its capability of maneuvers. It was to the max that it could do for a short span of time. Yeah. I don't if think like- if, if you want to do like a marathon race, it's not going to happen. It's like if I went into my my fifteen year old car, did a couple donuts. Like I I need some serious repairs after that. <laughs> exactly. You might be able to do like one donut, maybe two, but you're not going to sit there and just keep going. Yeah, um, I'm going to need my brakes repaired, my tire might pop. But like, like I'm sure like the the Enterprise was needed some repair work after oh, this. Of course, yeah. Um. So like I so I really I really liked the moment. I thought it was. I don't. I stood up when I saw this and I don't normally like I, okay. like I was, I was sitting there, I was watching, I have a recliner couch. So like uh-huh. I was, I was reclining on my chair. I was enjoying the hell out of the episode. And when I, when, when, when I saw the the shot of the enterprise positioning into the thing, I was like, Oh my God. Like I just stood <laughs> up and I was like, Oh my God. That, yeah. It stuff like that. Like, when there's bad moments in the the episode or in the series, things like that really make up for 
what was like lacking in parts that didn't really flow too well. And this was this was one of those moments where you're like, you're sitting there and you're like, that can't happen. But if it could, it's really good. I mean, how many times were we kids be playing with our mini starships? Oh. Like, like you. The reason why starships operate the way they do in the '60s, '80s, and '90s is because we didn't have the technology to do this back then. Yeah. And like, admittedly, Star Trek has a visual language, and I don't want that visual language broken. And I'm happy to never see a galaxy class starship do this again mm -hmm. but i'm really happy that we had this moment to to kind of break that that kind of like just to kind of have that fan service moment and create one of the most exciting things i've ever seen in star trek yeah it was exceptionally well done so they they, they blow up the Borg cube uh, they choose to blow up the Borg cube. they choose to blow up the Borg the Borg cube Riker said Riker uh you know so jack is you know but not before jack is disconnected from the collective and he he yeah. chooses to disconnect himself riker picard Worf, and jack they're stuck in the borg cube as the enterprise fires i really like the moment that they decide to, to fire on it because they have this idea and you talked about a little bit there uh, a little bit before where they're like if we fire we kill everyone down here but if we don't we kill everyone else yeah and one of the things I really appreciate the season for the season that the season does is it allows it allows us to remember that oh right, all these people are incredible actors. Mm -hmm. Like honestly, they're wasted on the show. But like, <laughs> you have this moment where like Jordy and Beverly have an entire conversation that's just them looking at each other, and yes. because Jordy has this moment like you know you see it in Jordy's eyes like. It's your son or my daughter's. Yeah. That's really what the situation is. If if we fire, if we fire, we kill your son. If we don't, we kill my daughters. Yeah. Um, I, I really and like at the end of the day, they're just like, we just have to trust that Picard is gonna get him out. Yeah. Um, and and hopefully and we doesn't. can <laughs> and hopefully we can save the day. And like, you know, but they don't, everyone dies and we're done. Um <laughs> Um, no, I, I, but I really like, um, <laughs> it's like, a, a those old games or like quick time events. If you fail a quick time event, <laughs> what happened yeah. after you're like, Oh crap. Um, gotta start again. Um, and, but Riker, but they can't get a lock on, on them after this thing starts exploding. At least the shockwave is interfering with the transporters and the transport locking signal, the transport, they can't beam them up. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh they're but they're looking and and Riker has this really beautiful moment where he says, I love you, Imzadi. I'll be waiting for you with our with son. Our son, yes. Oh heartfelt, emotional. Um, how there has been but I have to say, I have to bring this up because I am one of the well, maybe one of three people who like Kestra Troy Riker. There has been more talk about Thaddeus Riker, who has been dead for maybe 20 years. Than their own child who's still alive. <laughs> still, they mentioned her once in this whole show. One time. Still alive. Still kicking and breathing. She's still alive. She's probably assimilated. <laughs> like, but she's out there. Yeah. But, the, but there's been so much talk about Thaddeus Riker. And I'm, look, I'm grateful that they allowed the, the characters to actually deal with the, the death of, this, of, of their son. And I do really, I do really like the line. I just, 
your daughter's still out there, man. Can we can we get an acknowledgement of this character, yes. please? I agree. You definitely know who the favorite child is, without a doubt. The dead one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think by default, Kestra should have beaten him. Yeah, right. Um. Anyway, I. That said, it's a really beautiful line delivered beautifully by Frakes. Um, and then he has, uh, and then through their connection, through their love, yeah, Deanna is able to find them. Yes, um, beautiful, beautiful writing. And what an incredible shot at the Enterprise D over them, right the, above them, like oh. as it pans up. Oh my god, I thought that was genius. Such an incredible shot. I really like that shot. Like yeah. that's and like you see, like I was I was so enamored with like just the way the fr the, the way the composition of the shot was was framed and the enterprise above them that I missed the first time that Jack and Picard kind of look at each other like, and smile and kind of yeah. like like oh my god, there's your ship. Oh my god, there's my ship. Like this is so good. That that moment, like I immediately I thought, Mike, all right. If I pause this right, do you think I can get a good photo? Make this a screenshot, like a screensaver? But right. Like, ah. <laughs> but it's beautiful, and, and it like, is. I think the I think the whole show has so many beautiful beautiful shots. It, the this whole uh, season, it's just wonderful visual effects work. <clears throat> Absolutely, it's it it's really good, and it's just a test to it's a test to the engineers and the the designers who are behind the computers making these things happen yeah so let's start talking about the six endings yeah <laughs> yeah because i counted them there are six endings there's six real i believe so okay um so there's the obviously destroyed the poor cube and i love the enterprise kind of flying out of the out of the explosions having their kind of moment together um mm -hmm. on the bridge of the enterprise happy to have won wharf taking a nap thankfully <laughs> it's um, snoring it's snoring <laughs> Uh, Data and Jordy kind of like congratulating each other. Um, Riker and Deanna kissing. Love them. And then they pair up with the Titan, creating a nice parallel from Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country when the Enterprise and the Excelsior were... Neck and neck, together. yeah. We're, next, we're neck and neck. That was awesome. Um, Riker does, does, the, um, does the Captain's Log where he talks about all the things that have changed since then. Beverly is now an admiral and head of Starfleet Medical. Um, and as a race and can through the transporter system erase the code that and created detect, the Borg's yeah. the Borg signal. And detect and, the, the changelings. And detect the changelings. And we got one more changeling that came back. We did it. We got the changelings <laughs> back. <laughs> um anyway. And I they like also discussed as well that the changelings were keeping their captives alive. Yes, for some reason. They even said, like, we don't know why. Yeah. Um, might be because they needed more information, but they did keep them alive. And um, I and, and and that kind of gets us back to Tuvok. Welcome yes. back to the show, Tuvok, um, and who, who has a, a great moment with Seven. Um, where And I'm really glad it was Tuvok. A lot of people were talking about it should have been Janeway, and I kind of understand but I really like that it was Tuvok because it's an unorthodox choice, but Tuvok and seven always had a really interesting relationship on Voyager. And so to have Tuvok kind of be like, okay, you want to resign? Well, here's your, here's your officer review. Great to yeah. see Shaw one more time. 
which it got me so choked up because of how well Seven emotionally reacts to not only seeing like her former captain who's passed away, but also seeing like that he wasn't a cold hearted a-hole. He actually like had this little genuine care for her and he calls her seven of nine in that moment. And I was like, oh, beautiful, beautiful. And just his acknowledgement of, yeah, she is, she's a handful, but she is the best handful ever. And I I was like, that's great. I love the line where he's like, you know, it's the rules she breaks. Maybe they were broken to begin with. Yes. The book that she writes is going to be great. Oh, and when, uh, so, so poignant, so beautiful, very well articulated. Yeah. And I, I'm really happy to see that character back. And I, I just for you briefly, just kind of have this like final note on him. I, I really, I really loved it. Um, and then when that was done, Tuvok promotes her to captain. Yes. Captain seven of nine. And now is my chance cookie because I called it from day one. You did. You, you absolutely did that. This show would end with seven being captain and Rafi was going to be her first officer. You called it. And when it happened, I was like, dang it, dang it. Brandon got one over me. And you were (laughs) like, and you were like, no, they wouldn't do that because there are a couple. It's like, they would, they did it. They did. They really did. And, that right there was so cool because it like it ushered in a new wave of the next next generation, if you will. Right, the next next generation. Yeah, yeah, it was. Good. Um, but but before we we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about that kind of big reveal. And yeah. let's talk in a minute. Um, I kind of want to go go through them. So after that, so after that, um, so we got Beverly uh, Seven. Um, then we. Then we cut to a year later to the Fleet Museum. Yes. Uh, no, no. Then we get Data. Card. No, it's Data and Troy. Therapy. Yes, that was hilarious. Yeah, uh, she's like, I just want to go on vacation. Data, leave me alone. Yeah, she's just ready to be done. I really, I really like um, Riker's moment when he walks in and he's just like, he's still batshit. Yeah, um, <laughs> that was really funny. <laughs> I, I like data. I like seeing data kind of wrestling with this new humanity almost like where he's yeah. just like, you know, you know, I just saw a cat. I just saw an ensign feeding his cat and I just started crying and like, I don't know what I'm doing. And that, and that's why I need you to be here. And, and Deanna's just like, I'm ready for vacation now, yeah. actually. But um, he, he says another line too. That's really cool is all his life. He has struggled with trying to become human. And now that he's human, he's struggling with trying to be human. Yeah, um, the the desire to be human was uh, almost as hard. Being human is almost as hard as the desire to be human, correct? Or something like that. Yes, Um, or harder. I don't remember. But yeah, it's it's a really good moment. Um, I I, there's a lot of really great character moments that I just again I wouldn't I wouldn't give up for the world in this in Mm -hmm. this season. Um, and Riker just man, Jonathan Frakes is wonderful. But okay, so (laughs) then we get to the one year later, the Enterprise D finished. Yes. All, all pristine, like she like she never crash landed on a planet. <clears throat> and they have this moment where you know they're shutting down they're shutting down the enterprise. I'm not going to say what they say because my Alexa is going to turn on. Um <laughs> and they uh and Riker says I missed that voice and I'm like, "Yes, I did. Me too." Yeah. Me too, Riker. <laughs> um and then 
Jack. Mm-hmm. Now a newly instated ensign. Mother uh, and father all together. Yeah. Real quickly, Laris was done dirty in this in this series. Oh yeah, she was left out hardcore. <clears throat> Orla Brady uh, is wonderful, and yeah. I believe that she deserved more to do as Laris. This is kind of the problem with filming season two and three back to back that you don't get the reaction of season two to influence decisions that you'd make in season three. And it's incredible that we have the series to we have the series that we do when the same people wrote season one. Yeah. Or at least shot season one. Um, but Orla Brady, I think is, is the kind of biggest, um, what's the word there? The biggest um, casualty of that. Um, because she, because she, nobody knew how well received she'd be, how, how people were upset that she wasn't part of season two. Um, so you couldn't course correct that and have a moment in season three that kind of left. And you can, you can say in that moment where they kiss goodbye, that it's meant to be that Laris knows. Goodbye. Yeah. That's good. It's, I'm not going to see you on this on child talk five. It's you're gone forever. You can make that case, but I, I just, the whole show I wanted to. Yeah, me too. Like <laughs> the, the whole show. I'm not, this is not a season three problem. This is a, the whole show problem. Mm-hmm. Laris was wasted. Yeah, she was. A, she was definitely a a wonderful asset to season one that I enjoyed and wanted more of her. And then when we got her in season three for that glimmer of a moment, yeah. it was like okay, possibility. Nope, nope, no more possibility here. <clears throat> but and there's no. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, but at the same time, you you understand that. Picard is potentially might have a relationship with Beverly. Yeah. I thought I'd be happier about, I thought I'd be happier about that. (laughs) Um, I'm not as, as I'm kind of glad they left it ambiguous of whether or not they are in a relationship. Um, because I'm not sure if I want them to be anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, look, when I was a kid, like, they were OTP for me. I was like, hell yeah, I want Beverly and Picard together. But now I'm like, I actually don't know if you guys are right for each other. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of suck together. <laughs> yes, um, very much so. <clears throat> and he got this great kid. So, but anyway, so Ensign, Ensign Jack Crusher um, is really nervous. And the and Picard's like, oh, what ship did you get assigned to? This is cool. Oh, the Titan. No, she was it's rechristened. Not. Yes, as the Enterprise G. Enterprise G. So, what do you think about? We have, by the way, in this episode, there are five enterprises. Yes. There's the NX01, the Enterprise A, the Enterprise D, the Enterprise F, and the Enterprise G. And G. Yeah. That's a lot. It's insane. That are you kidding lot. me? So, what do you think about this, about the Titan becoming the Enterprise G? I think it was a nice touch, but it was not warranted for me. I think they could have yeah. did it differently i don't disagree with that i i'm a little conflicted at one point i'm you know it's awesome that the enterprise legacy continues that seven is now captain of the enterprise um with first officer raffi um which is what i wanted in the beginning um (laughs) and there's a couple of schools of thought here so there's one there's a lot of star trek online fans who are i think kind of rightfully upset um that the enterprise f which is the flagship of that game was unceremoniously decommissioned um, for cameo purposes, you know, 
I get it. I kind of understand. As someone who didn't really play Star Trek Online, it's not. I don't really care that much, honestly. Yeah, you have a connection. Yeah, yeah. I don't really have a connection to the Enterprise F, and it's kind of and the Enterprise F um, it operates as kind of a fill-in Enterprise at this point, much like the B and the C do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Enterprise G, I I like the idea idea of rechristening a new a new ship to be the enterprise g because you need a new enterprise you know if you're decommissioning one you got to have another one um as right as Riker said at the end of generations plenty of letters left in the alphabet <laughs> yes um so you have so so i like the idea of the enterprise g but also a part of me kind of like well but the titan was also special because so there's three ships that we know of with legacy registrations the voyager the Enterprise and the Titan, mm-hmm. and the Titan was new. We didn't know about the Titan until until this season. Uh, Voyager, we found out in Discovery. Actually, it's one of the best things they ever did. Um, th- but the Titan being rechristened the Enterprise kind of makes me feel bad for Riker because the Titan A was christened that because of I assume the legendary exploits of captain Riker on the USS Titan. That's the, yeah, that's exactly the same thing that I thought. And it's like, you guys literally got rid of one name said goodbye to that legacy. We're going to bring back Picard. Yeah. And, and like, admittedly you can make the case that Riker was probably more famous for being, for serving on the enterprise. Yeah. than serving on the Titan. Um, certainly out of universe he is. And in universe Probably much like how Picard is more famous for serving for being captain of the Stargazer in universe than he is the Enterprise. Yeah. Um, so like I kind of think I kind of understand where you're going, what the thinking is there, because it's not just Picard's legacy, right? It's not called the Jean-Luc Picard. It's called the Enterprise. Um, it's it's continuing the legacy of the Enterprise. I I'm sure there will be a Titan B. Uh, there has to be, in my opinion. Oh, now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They cannot uh, just get rid of it. Yeah, but and I, I do, but again, I'm kind of like two schools of thought here. Like I do like kind of bringing back the Enterprise to a Constitution class uh, exploratory vessel. Mm-hmm. Um, I think instead of a, a large kind of battleship that that the E and the F were. Um, kind of going back to the idea that Starfleet is is not so much interested in in being a battleship. Uh, produ- producing battleships anymore, but producing smaller exploratory ships. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'm on the one hand, I'm really happy that it, that is the Enterprise G, that the that is captain of the Enterprise is seven, that um, it, it's a constitution that has all these things, but also like maybe you didn't have to shit on the legacy of the Enterprise F from Star Trek Online or Riker's legacy of the Titan um, to in order to do that. Yeah, you could have just. Taking any other ship, or you guys could have just made a brand new ship because if you really think about it, you had time. Or yeah, like another Neo Constitution class ship could have been christened the Enterprise G. It didn't yeah. have to be the Titan A. Exactly. Um, theoretically, there would be more ships within the w- that are Neo Constitution class ships. It, it, uh, unlikely that the Enterprise that the Titan A was the only one. They could have um, done a, a, another humorous bit where. They're flying in, and he's like, oh, you're going to be on the Titan. And he's like, I wish. No, I'm on that thing over there. And, and they just pan, and it's like this rust bucket Enterprise <laughs> G. Um, yeah, they kind of played the same 
the kind of like the same joke on this as a Star Trek to the, the search for Spock when yeah. they're like, oh, the Enterprise crew is going to be commissioned onto the Excelsior. Oh, but what's behind the Excelsior? It's the Enterprise <laughs> exactly. A. That would just something like that would have been a nice little nod. Yeah. Um, either way, what this means is that the next show, should there be another show, which I I desperately want there to be, mm-hmm. um, would be set on the Enterprise G. Yes. And I think that's special. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that they have integrated some of this cast already into a potential show. Yeah. So that you have this connection with these characters and you're now starting up a new legacy, which I think is still really great. Yeah. I really, I really love the idea of setting a show on the enterprise G with captain seven and Alondra and sit, sorry, Sydney LaForge and Jack Crusher. Like I like these characters. I want to see more of them. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, I'm sad that this hasn't been the show since the beginning. I think we had a lot of room to play with this uh, concept. Mm-hmm. Had there, had we had, had like, what if this was the first season, right? Um, and then we had three seasons of this rather than just one farewell one. season. Yeah. I'm sure that's an exciting world. Uh, or maybe I would have gotten tired of it. Who knows? Yeah, very true. Um, but I am glad that this did happen. Yeah. Do you want to talk about poker or Q first? Oh, well, let's do poker because you are on the hot streak, sir, because you called two things now. I did. I I called that this show has to end on poker. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good at this. I don't know what to say. um yes the 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 finale of this episode and the finale of all good things share a poker scene um and it's beautiful it's beautiful the fact i love i've never been so happy to see the 10 forward bar um (laughs) um i love seeing them all together kind of uh riffing each other and being a family and then Picard has a speech and then he whips out a poker deck and they're all like yeah let's put we're gonna play some poker yeah it was good oh it was great. It, you it, get, it, it genuinely made me smile. You get the sense that these characters like each other, like these yeah. char- these cast members like each other. And, you know, you hear all these stories about how cast members keep in touch or whatnot, but the next generation crew apparently has a text thread that they're just all a part of. That's awesome. And they can, and they are talking to each other all the time and they're constantly hanging out and they're constantly friends. Like when, when Brent Spiner's Instagram was hacked, he was just having lunch with Jonathan Frakes. That's <laughs> like, cool. And you get that, you get that sense. You get that. Yes. This crew is a family, but also this cast is a family. Mm-hmm. Um, and that said, I never want to see them again. <laughs> I'm good. If you do, then they have to like, you, you cannot, you can't have this great of an ending and bring them back. Now, I don't mind like a like cameo. Cameos. Yeah, yeah, correct. Like Riker comes back for an episode of something. Crusher comes back for an episode of something. But as a crew, no. Done. Put them to bed. I agree. I agree. <clears throat> I don't, Honestly, I don't want to see Picard again. I, I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing Picard again. I think that we probably could see him again, especially if there is a new show that features his son. I, 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 yeah, I know that there, there's the opening there. Like, Oh, we need to talk about Admiral Picard. He's coming up on the thing. Sure. But like, I'm good because I, if we see this crew again, 
I think they overshadow so much. And one of the things that excites me about the Star Trek Legacy TV series is that the new characters that I've grown to enjoy won't be set dressing for the mm-hmm. for a next generation reunion. And I worry that should this crew come back, this cast come back in in total, it would it would kind of relegate everyone else to background members. But that said, like I don't mind like Worf on an episode of something. Uh, some, but I more more than that, I would like to see other. If we're going to bring back other characters, I'd rather us bring back DS9 characters or Voyager characters for these for these cameo spaces. Yeah, I agree. I definitely could agree. Um, I don't need a DS9 reunion or a Voyager reunion show. I I yeah. don't I but I don't mind cameos every now and then. Correct. I'm with you. Speaking of cameos, cues in this episode. <laughs> yes. I waited till the end. As a Marvel fan, you you have to know. Go to the very end. I kind of had a feeling that there would be a post-credit scene because of the way the credits were playing over the poker scene. By the way, gorgeous idea just to have them play poor, have them play poker for that whole time. I kind of wish Q wasn't in this episode. I loved it. Really? I I love the fact that he's back and he's like, oh, what am I on the contraire? Like your father's what is that I'm French? Done with him, but what you... is that French? What was that French? <laughs> you just insulted yeah. all the French people. <laughs> he just does it from time to time. Sure. I'm pretty French. sure you said I'm the contraire. <laughs> Listen, I'm not French <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. Oh man. Um Bonsoir. <laughs> i but, kind of i kind of get what you're saying like you know the idea is like this could be before he died right yeah. because he, you know you know he's not a linear being he could have Correct. popped in here before he died i kind of just wish his death was the last note we saw him on the as i i really like that scene at the end of picard season two when they embrace and they say goodbye yeah like, i think that's a beautiful scene so I kind of wish that that was the note we left Q on. I can I can understand that, and yeah, I mean I can I can understand it. I just like him as a I like Q. Oh, don't get me much. wrong, I love John Delancey. Yes, especially as Q, I think he's very good. Yes, and I love his costume. That little his costume was perfect. Got. Did they did they de-age him at all? No, he's he. That's how he, that's how he looks. He just looks good. Yeah, he just looks good. <laughs> Okay, because I saw him like the beard, everything. I'm like, this guy looks, this guy looks good. Yeah. Okay, well, let me let me look through. Hold on, let me just see. Uh, Laura, yeah, talk about Laura's. Yeah. Oh, I love a happy ending. <laughs> happy everyone got a happy ending. Yes. Uh, go see Kestra, guys. Like seriously, she's your daughter. Um. <laughs> Oh, the 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 line that uh, where's where's my position, Captain? Uh, your special counselor to the to the captain. That's not a real right position. Here. You made that up. <laughs> uh, I, under, I understand that that was Troy's position, but that's because she was in the science divisions. Yeah, I'm not. He is he is clearly in the command division. Yeah. What the hell's he doing? <laughs> um. Yeah. All right. All right. That's it. That's it. Goodbye. 
That's all I got for today. That's all my notes for today. So final thoughts on just the series in general. It's over. This is it. Starship Picard is over. That is it. Um, the last, the last, last season made up for the show very much so for me. Um, like we've talked about, it, it was not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but it was what we needed and it was what we wanted. And for fans, whether you're like me, who is not an avid Star Trek fan but loves Star Trek as a whole, or if you are a Die hard, I got a tattoo of Star Trek on my butt cheek, as Brandon does. Then <laughs> I do you... not. I do not. Don't put that out there. <laughs> then you like this it fits for you. Like this was a really good ending to the series. And I I dug it. I it's a bittersweet moment because I was I was very happy how it ended, but also very sad on how it ended. Yeah. Multiple reasons I'm sad that it's over. Yeah. Um I'm I really you know, I honestly looking back on the show, it had its ups and downs as a whole mm-hmm. episode. You know, season two, I really liked in the beginning, and then it crashed and burned towards the end. But I still found value in every season of this show, yeah. and and this last season was truly something special for me. Like I, I know it doesn't land for everyone, and it's not perfect, but it's yeah. it's exactly what I wanted at the end of the day. For sure. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't trade the show that what we got in this last season for anything. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I wouldn't trade my time here with you oh, stop for it. anything. Stop it. Before I we get it. before we get out, Cookie. Yeah. I sent you a present. You did. You did. I, I've been staring at this thing the entire time. <laughs> I, I sent you a gift as a going away, as a parting gift. Uh, do you mind opening it on air? For, I do for not us? mind at all. I, I do not mind. Uh, it's funny because like, one, you did not have to send me anything. Um, two is I've actually, I've been, I haven't done it yet, but it's on my my list to do, but I'm trying to get you something very special. So oh, I appreciate fingers it. crossed that I do get it. But yes, I, I thank you so much for this. You did not have to get me anything at all. Um, I just, I just wanted to get you a little something because you know, I, I've really, I've really valued uh, doing this with you, um, and I, I, I'm going to miss you. And you're having a child soon, and that's incredible. So this is also like a—it's not just a going away gift; it's a you know, congratulations on your child gift. Um, so I, I just, I, just, I felt like I needed to do something special. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you very much. All right, I don't know how to open this, so let me try to. All right, again, let's... thank God I'm wearing pants. All right, man, one of these days you're not going to wear pants. That's gonna be <laughs> all right. Let's see how to do this. Uh, I don't even know. What I think it is. Let's let's see. Open the open the oh, okay. We yeah, open the top. Time. Okay. Yeah. I got scared. Don't break it. I don't think there's refunds. Here we go. Here we go. Boy, they really packed oh, it in there, didn't they? Wow. Oh, that is beautiful. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So uh for, for listeners, that is a Chateau Picard mug. It and it's so it has the vineyard laid out on there, and you're very far stretch away from the, the actual chateau house. It's really, really detailed, very, very beautiful. Holy moly, dude. Really happy how that turned out, actually. 
That is that is fantastic. I I'm honestly like this is this is very cool. You know what I need to do now? You need to buy the Chateau Picard wine. Yes, I do. And I got to pour <laughs> wine into a mug. <laughs> <laughs> I this did think about I did think about getting you the wine, but I couldn't afford it, unfortunately. I was I can't even afford the wine, so don't even worry about it. This honestly, dude, I am I'm speechless. Like, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Honestly, I I am so happy that I was able to do the show with you because it was it's a, it's been a very much a treat for me. Um I've talked about it a lot. I, I enjoy learning and this show for me definitely expanded my knowledge a lot, especially with not just Star Trek, but just in general as a whole, expanded a lot of my knowledge. So and I got a great friend out of it. And yeah, it, it was it was an enjoyable ride. And I don't think this ride is over. I definitely think that there's gonna be times where I'm gonna hit you up I'm like, yo, dude, I got an hour and I watched the next episode of Strange New Worlds. Let's get in there, let's go. And I'm sure, like you said, you're you're gonna be more than just open arms to take me in, but I I can't thank you enough for allowing this novice of a, a geek in the Star Trek world to sit next to you, to share a cam with you, share a mic with you, and just just geek out on something that we both truly love and truly enjoy. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. And I, I've i said it the past couple of weeks. I knew this was coming. I've told you this many times. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I this is, this is a bittersweet moment for me because we have – not just come to the end of Star Trek Picard, but also come to the end of our time together. But you have an open invite for anything you want. Uh, you will always have a home on the Fig Nerd Podcast family of podcasts, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much. You guys, you guys are all amazing. You especially are very amazing as well. So Thank you. I'll I make sure to tell them that you singled me out specifically. Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like Ryan is like at the bottom of the barrel. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, Ryan. Just joking, buddy. Um, all right. Well, enough blubbering from two old men. <laughs> um, uh, for the, for the, for the final time cookie, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on social media on Instagram. Let me actually get this camera up on Instagram at just little podcast on Twitter at just podcasting YouTube, just little podcast. Uh, the podcast is still running, still up and running. So those people who are downloading for some magical reason, thank you so much. Um, Please go back. If you're just watching, this is your first time watching the fake nerds watch on Star Trek. Go back. There is a plethora of fun that not only Brandon and I shared, but Brandon, Mike from Downright Nerdy Podcast, myself, we've all shared a ton of fun, a ton of laughs. Another bastard I lost to having a kid. (laughs) Yes, he beat me to the punch. (laughs) Um, But yeah, definitely go back. Watch all that stuff. If you're listening, go back and listen because... It's it's always been a ton of fun hanging out with Brandon and just talking Star Trek, and you're you're gonna have a blast listening to us. I appreciate that. Stop! You're gonna make me cry. You're gonna make an old man cry. Um. Okay. Well, that's that's it, guys. That's Star Trek. Star Trek Picard. Fake Nerds Watch. That's it. There's no more Star Trek Picard. That means there's no more Fake Nerds Watch for it. However, um, there are more Star Trek stuff in the works. I'm working on. Because this is the final episode, I'll just tell people that I'm working on getting a kind of... Um, we have a show called Big Nerd Book Club. I am working on getting that series up and running, but uh, as a, a Star Trek variant of it, where I will talk about Star Trek comic books. Um, so I need a co-host for that. So we'll find, I'll find one, and we'll, and that will get up and running. Um, and uh, I know some people who watch this have applied to be co-hosts for that show. So I'm still thinking about it, guys. Um awesome. 
And uh, speaking of co-hosts, well, right now, I'm not sure who I'm going to continue it with. Um, I will continue doing these figures watched for Star Trek. Um, I deeply, deeply love talking about Star Trek. And I'm um, just because I'm losing cookie, I'm not losing my drive to do this. Um, so when Strange New Worlds comes out, stay tuned. There will be a Fickner's Watch for it. Um, hopefully I'll be able to do it episode by episode um, like I have been in the past. Of course, Lower Decks will also have more Fickner's Watch. So I'm not going to f- stop doing this just because I'm losing Cookie. It's just going to be a little bit more difficult because I need to find a co-host. <laughs> well, you never know. Maybe maybe like the Star Trek crew, I might make a cameo appearance. You never know. I don't need a cameo appearance. I need a consistent <laughs> I need a I need a new number one. <laughs> this is the end of Nemesis, where you're leaving me to go off on the Titan <laughs> forever. Oh man, for twenty years. <laughs> anyway, just about. Um. All right. So, once again, Cookie, congratulations on Thank your you, upcoming child. Um, Thank you that's very in, much. That's in, incredible, and I'm so happy for you. Thank you, sir. Um. Okay. Well, guys, this is Fickner's pot. This is Fickner's watch. As I said, it's over. That's it. There's, uh, but you can check out other fake news watches that we've done. Uh, the Mandalorian, for example, if you guys like Star Wars, if there's some cross, if there's some uh, cross section of Star Wars. You know, the very disappointing season of the Mandalorian is over now. Um, yeah, kind of disappointing of that one. But you can check out all my thoughts uh, on three episodes of that season. Um, probably the next Fickner's watch series that comes out will probably be strange new worlds and uh, secret invasion, uh, the new Marvel show. So stay tuned for that. That's, that'd be a lot of fun to do. Um, but keep an eye out on all the social medias. There is a basement arcade, which is a video game. Let's play series basement arcade pause mini, which is a video game discussion series. If you're interested in video games, Fickner book club, which I mentioned a little bit earlier, but I'm trying to revive, uh, but as a Star Trek variant, um, and then animation station and anim- an animation discussion show. Uh, two things. I'll, two last things I'll mention as far as the Fickner podcast family podcast goes, which is the real score, which is our brand new show, new baby. Um, uh, our first episode is out now where we talk about the Batman's music. Uh, by Michael Giacchino. New episode coming soon where we talk about The Mask of Zorro uh, by James Horner. So that's really exciting. Um, that's a brand new show where we talk about film music. Um, very excited about that one. Uh, check it out. That's a monthly show. But finally, uh, guys, as of as of today, as of... I, did I put this out yesterday? Probably yesterday. Whatever. My show, Conversation. Uh, conversation, a show where I talk about, um, where I talk to podcasters about their fandom spaces and how they evolve, uh, how their uh, interpretations of fandom spaces come, uh, have evolved over the years, um, especially surrounding the podcast. It's out. Season two has begun. Uh, my first episode with Karis Lunn, a returning guest from season one, wonderful person who does a podcast called Journey into Fandom. Um, beautiful show, beautiful person. Check it out. It's out now. Only an audio. That's an audio only show. Um, but season two is out. It's here finally. I've been working so damn hard on this season, but it's finally here. Um, I kind of wish that I had gotten the season out when Cookie was still doing podcasts. <laughs> My bad. I'm sorry. You know what? No, I never had Mike on the show. Never mind. Um, okay. I did try. I did try, but he was like, "Nope, sorry, child." <laughs> Love you, Mike. If you're watching. 
Um, speaking of Star Trek stuff, by the way, I am actually trying to get a panel together um, that I'm, I'm going to talk to you about. I don't know if you can make it, but I'm, I'm going to try to get like a live stream panel together of Star Trek fans that I know personally uh, that are in podcast spaces, but maybe you guys don't know about uh, to talk about Star Trek Picard as a whole. Um, just kind of have a long, a larger discussion about the series, um, what we value from it, what, what were disappointed us, things like that. Uh, so stay tuned. Uh, that's probably going to be in a couple of weeks um or less but i am i am working on that so you know hopefully that works out um uh, yeah fickner podcast guys everything comes from the fickner podcast this is the fickner podcast family podcast so fickner podcast is right there at the top where we talk about movie reviews comic books tv shows all sorts of things that's fickner's watch oh that's the logo for fickner's watch the logo for fickner podcast is not on this stream <laughs> um <laughs> The 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 Fickner podcast, uh, big show. Uh, most recent episode we talked about Evil Dead Rise, and this latest episode, this coming episode, we at the time of this recording don't know what we're going to talk about. So make sure to watch social media spaces. Uh, click that bell icon if you want to get notified when we go live every Sundays, uh, except for this past week we did Tuesday. Sorry, surprise. Um, and uh, uh, but we go live every Sundays if you want to be part of that discussion. Lots of fun. Check it out. All right, guys. Uh, finally, Fickner Podcast on all the social medias. If you'd like to support us financially, Fickner Podcast on Patreon and TeePublic, linked below. FicknerPodcast.com. Linked to everything. Everything is linked there. I'm at BT McClure on Twitter, on Instagram, and I also write for Old School Gamer Magazine. No, I don't. That's Ben. Uh, where I also write for um, CBR.com, KaijuRamaMedia.com, where I'm also the, edit the website editor, and AtomicGeekdom.com, where right now you can check out a piece from me talking about star trek legacy um, which is the the proposed show ne next show set in the 25th century that i mm -hmm. desperately want cookie where can people find you just a little podcast on instagram just podcasting on twitter uh and then the podcast just a little podcast until next time you see me and <laughs> until the next time you see a cookie list me <laughs> live long and prosper. Live long and prosper.